gonna get a water but i was like you know what while i'm, I'm here, here yeah exactly if there's if i'm going to make myself drink it's going to be a black wing okay okay so i already started recording and yep. that was kind of a like the opposite of a cold open um so why don't you tell people who you are and what you do my name is dagamandalkachu uh, i'm a dj i am a bartender uh, and I've worked around cannabis for the last couple of years, but uh, really I'm just trying to push my music because that's what I'm passionate about, and uh, that's where I see myself going places. Talk to me about where you're from and, and where you grew up, and I'm sure when people listen to this, they're going to be like, what, what's his name? Tell me, tell, <laughs> me, tell me about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, born and raised here in Baltimore. Actually, I was born in uh, Delaware, but uh, I was raised here in Baltimore my whole life. Went to private school, uh, got my mom, dad, uh, and I have a younger brother and sister that I uh, grew up with here. Uh, our family's originally from Ethiopia, um, but my parents moved to uh, Baltimore um, just before I was born, pretty much, and uh, made this their home. From there, I've just uh, been moving back and forth between Baltimore and some other places that I've really liked. Uh, I went to school in Pennsylvania real briefly, uh, and then after that I ended up moving out to Colorado where I really started to push the music and like discover myself a lot more, and then brought myself back east just so I can sort of slow down, humble myself, save some money, figure out what I really want to do, and plot on the next move. Cool, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about your Colorado trip uh, a few questions later. But me personally, I just wanted to say, I think you went to go get your phone, right? Yeah. And as I was walking around, I was just like, damn, this, this guy has, like, you completely changed as we've gotten older. It's mm -hmm. like, I see you now, and I'm like, damn, Dagum, he's fucking grown up now. Life is crazy, man. <laughs> Life is crazy. I mean, people, experiences, and time will will grow you. It'll teach you a lot. And I'm just a, a product of my experiences and the people around me, honestly. Let's go back into the past. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to be self-indulgent. How did we meet? Uh, we met uh, working at the YMCA, actually, um, in Howard County. It was my first actual job. I started working there freshman year of high school when I was going to Mount St. Joe. But uh, yeah, man, we were working together at the Y. That's how we got acquainted. And I ended up working, I think it was three or four years there. And I think for most of those years, you were working there on and off. So uh, we were just there lifeguarding, <laughs> taking care of business, trying to keep the kids from drowning. It was a simple enough job, honestly. What was your opinion of working there? Did you like it? Oh, absolutely. Um, it was honestly one of the first really fun experiences where I made some really cool friends and like put myself out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, high school, I would say just in general, wasn't the most fun time for me. So working at the Y and having the squad there that I did definitely made high school a little bit better. 
Gotcha. And what was it about high school that you didn't really like? I mean, I'm different. And uh, for some people, uh, they don't quite get different from the name, from where my family's from, the whole foundation of who I am. A lot of people were uh, put off by that. You know, a lot of kids had different experiences in high school. Um, my experience was that I just got bullied a lot and a lot of people didn't like me for no really good reasons. You know, that's high school. Kids go through different stuff and kids act out and treat others badly because a lot of people have different things going on in their lives and they don't know how to cope with it. And uh, people just mess with me a lot. And I was just trying to be a good student and get by so I could go to college because that's all my parents really wanted out of my life. So I just put my head down and I grinded. Gotcha. So we're going to talk about that in a second. I just want to say, though, Dagum has had the complete glow up. Your skin is flawless. <laughs> you look fantastic. You had a, a great jacket. Where'd you get that? Did you get this coat from? Uh, that was a gift, actually. Oh, my really? mom got that for Christmas. And yeah, man, I can't let that go. I only break it out for special occasions. When you came in and I saw you, I was just like, oh, OK, excuse me, sir. It's on okay. Chris, man. <laughs> I mean, the lady in a little bit, too. So, OK, you know, cool, cool. Yeah, that's had to get right. Yeah, shout out, shout out. While we were working together, there came a time when you really told me, and I remember this story pretty, pretty vividly. I was talking to my fiance and my sister about it. Your last day of work, you were just like, yo, my parents are here, but I am leaving. Don't tell them where I'm going. If they ask, don't say anything. And you just kind of left. 15 minutes after you left, your mom had came up to me. She was like, have you seen Dag? And I'm like, uh, no, I think you should call him, though. And then I had just kind of went mm. to the break room to do my own thing. So right. tell me what your last day of work was like and why you were leaving. Yeah, that's a, that was a really crazy experience and a really uh, a scary time in my life. I might as well give the backstory to it. Uh, withdrew uh, from Juniata College where I was going to school. Um, it was my freshman year and I was having a lot of fun there. Um, I was president of my freshman class. I was running cross country, I was running track, and uh, I was partying more than I ever had before. Uh, about a week into my second semester there, uh, I got caught with two of my classmates uh, with less than a, a gram of, of, of bud, of, of weed on us. We had to meet with the president of the school. You know, I really pleaded with him about the whole situation because I was like, you know, if I have to withdraw from school for the semester, there's no way I'm going to come back. I know my parents, they're not going to let me come back. And that's exactly what happened. My parents were really disappointed in me for getting in trouble and for smoking weed. And so I had to withdraw from school. And uh, it was tough because that first semester I had at Juniata was the best time of my life. I made my first, I would say, like real friends, best friends. And I was really able to be myself completely and unapologetically and, and enjoy myself and just, you know, enjoy college, which is what you're supposed to do. Um, I ended up coming back home to Baltimore, living with my parents, and I was uh, working back at the Y again to start saving money, and I was going to try and enroll in a community college. But to be honest with you, as soon as I knew that my parents weren't going to let me go back to school at Juniata, I wasn't going to stay long in Baltimore. Uh, I always wanted to go to school in Colorado. That was like my vision for myself from like freshman year of high school. I knew it was beautiful out there. I, I was a runner in high school and I, went, and I was a runner in college and I wanted to try and walk on out there. But uh, 
I had just had uh, a lot of things going on at home leading up to it and uh, me and my parents had gotten into a bit of an argument and it, this one day I just knew like this is it I'm like I'm ready and so I <laughs> I bought a plane ticket the night before and I called a friend and said hey I need you to pick me up from my job during my break because I'm gonna hop on a plane and move to Colorado and she was like are you sure and I said I've never been sure so I ended up uh, leaving mid-shift at the YMCA and I hopped in the car with my friend we ran home real quick grabbed my bags which were packed and I went straight to BWI and and, and flew home it was a real crazy experience because you know while this is all going on you know my phone's blowing up people are trying to get in contact with me to figure out why I left my shift my mom's trying to figure out where I'm at and I was just terrified by the whole thing so <laughs> as I was like in the airport I threw my iPhone in the trash because I was just like I can't deal with this this is too stressful I just need to get to Colorado and, and, and just be free and I got out there and uh, a friend from high school was living out there and I pretty much moved right onto his couch and started my time out in Colorado right there in Boulder so when she when you were on the phone with her she said are you sure and you're like I'm not sure I just need to do this or you were like oh I've never been more sure than anything like I gotta go I gotta go like oh, okay. I knew for a fact that I was not going to be sane living with my parents any longer my parents are, are great people um, they're very strict parents uh, they want the best for me like a lot of parents do but in that time and place I just really needed some space and and, and that's why I had to go out west so when you were out there, and we'll talk about your experience there in a moment, did you talk to your siblings and say, hey, this is what's happening, don't worry about me, but don't tell mom and dad? Not at first. Um, like, even in the process of, like, I mean, it's pretty much running away, I uh, didn't respond to any of my brothers or sisters' uh, texts or calls. Um, I think I waited maybe at least, uh, I think it was at least three weeks or before like I texted or called my brother or sister back and then it was about a month it was over a month before I actually like texted my mom back and told her hey this is where I'm at I'm safe I'm sorry that I did this I'm sorry I put you through this but this is what was best for me and I know it wasn't best for you but I honestly didn't know any other way to go about it Okay. Talk to us about your experience while you were out in Colorado. Did you get a place to stay and you just started working? What happened? When I moved out to Colorado, I moved in with my buddy uh, Quentin that I went to school with at Mount St. Joe. Um, it's crazy. It was super last notice when I moved out there. I just told him, hey, man, this is the situation. I really want to be out there. Do you have a couch I can crash on? for however long it takes me to get on my feet. And he said, yeah, absolutely. So I moved in with the homie, uh, started looking for jobs right away, uh, sent in applications, resumes, you name it. And uh, less than a month living with the homie Quinn and his friends, he sort of had this epiphany, Quinn did, and he out of nowhere said, hey, I, like, I don't wanna go to school here anymore. And I was like, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm actually moving to New York like next week I'm going to Fashion Institute of Technology because I want to keep on pushing fashion and, and, and designing and stuff like that and so that actually put me in a tough spot because I pretty much had a week to figure out 
what I was going to do with my stuff and where I was going to go, and it wasn't enough. I mean, by the time Quinn was ready to move, I still hadn't had a job, and I still didn't have a place, and I moved out to Colorado with $15 in my pocket, so, like, there was no plan. The plan was to crash until I got my got on my feet, and so... Uh, what I ended up doing was I ended up uh, <laughs> like hiding my stuff in the in the town. I was living in Boulder, but like I had to hide my like luggage bags under a bridge actually for a while while I was out trying to find a job or get food and stuff like that. And uh, I was pretty much sleeping on the street like less than a month into running away to Colorado. Um, and I did that on and off for longer than I would have liked. I was uh, 18 and uh, I ended up uh, staying at a uh, homeless shelter in Boulder um, for, it was about a month I was living there. And I, I was working, I was saving money. I had, uh, I was working at the uh, Colorado Athletic Club out there, uh, working the front desk and lifeguarding, just trying to get whatever income I could. And I uh, started barbacking. It was my first restaurant job at a spot called Ruben's Burger Bistro, which was uh, right on the Pearl Street Mall. And I was bouncing back and forth between these two jobs and the homeless shelter where I was staying. And a crazy situation happened at the uh, homeless shelter if you're going to be out after a certain time, you have to sign off on it in the morning before you leave for the day. Otherwise, if you show up after the time, you get, I think, two or three strikes. I think it was two strikes. And on the second strike, they kick you out of the program and you can't stay there. Over the course of the month that I was staying at the homeless shelter, on two occasions, I forgot to sign off in the morning that I was going to be working late at the uh, bar and so I came back the second time that I'd forgotten and they wouldn't let me in and I was like I was at work like all night like uh, it's not like I'm out here partying or, or, or doing drugs like I'm just trying to get my money up yeah. trying to save up and mm -hmm. I'm trying to get out of here and I ended up having to sleep right outside of the homeless shelter that night I was on the street for almost another month um, after getting kicked out of there and then I found uh, Attention Homes, which is a uh, youth shelter in Boulder. Um, it's a really incredible place, but they took me in. Um, they helped me get back on my feet. They helped me save. Um, they helped me work on my resume so I could, you know, continue to look for more jobs. You know, whatever better suits me. You know, I was working these two jobs, but I was still looking for better opportunities so I could save up more money and find housing. And I ended up staying at Attention Homes for three months. This is the uh, youth shelter. I stayed there for three months before I ended up uh, moving out and getting a place with one of my friends who is still one of my best friends to this day. Um, but yeah, we ended up getting a place together. The program helped us find a spot. We got a voucher and we ended up making it work. Okay. When you were out there from getting put out of the, the shelter to not being able to find a job, hiding your stuff under a bridge. Was there a point where you were just like, I fucked up? Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, 
I just, uh, the best thing that helped me cope with it was uh, my best friends from college, actually. Um, my best male friend, who was my roommate, and my best female friend, um, who lived in the same building as me, uh, they were completely aware of the entire situation as I was going through it. And I would just sort of like talk to them and they would sort of help advise me and just be good friends, be somebody to talk That's to awesome. about everything. Yeah. Absolutely. What was your biggest takeaway from Colorado, from that entire experience? Because you're back in Baltimore now. Right. Like, if you had one lesson from that experience, what was it? Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, I would say do what feels right, period, point blank. I mean, I had a lot happen in my life, and I would say to this day, moving to Colorado was the best decision I've ever made before. I mean, I put myself through uh, really extreme situations, but it made me a much stronger, much more smarter individual. I mean, street smart and and every other, other uh, way you can name it, you know? Um, I would say being out there and putting myself in that environment of only being myself it hardens you and it, it, it teaches you about priorities and what you need to do to put yourself in a better situation. So at the end of the day, you know, do what feels right. What was the first day like when you came back to Baltimore? Who, like, did your parents pick you up? How did that work? First day back in Baltimore, <laughs> my mom, dad, brother, and sister all came to the airport and picked me up. They were very, very cool about the situation. You know, they just took me with open arms they were super happy to have me back um it was it was a really crazy day for them um for me too because i was still on edge about everything you know uh, i had just moved to colorado put myself through a lot but it was also a great experience at the same time and i had been thinking this entire time is this the right thing for me to do right now i just spent the last year putting myself out there, grinding, trying to build this network so that I can create a life for myself out there. But my parents missed me and they told me there were opportunities for me back home and that they would help me while I tried to go to school and make those opportunities happen. At the time, it felt like the right thing to do and I did it, so I moved out there and I ended up moving back in in my family's house in Baltimore and Pikesville. And I uh, started going to school at HCC, Howard Community College, and uh, working. I got my first job back in Baltimore at One-Eyed Mike's, <laughs> where I ended up working at for uh, four years. I started there as a bar back, worked my way up to a bartender, and uh, things really started to go up from, from working at One-Eyed Mike's. It was a great place to network. You're a bartender now. You had bar backing experience in Colorado, and then when you came back at One-Eyed Mike's, and now you're bartending, or you bartend at Union, the music right. thing is starting to take off for you, so that's, uh, is that where you're getting your main income from now? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I sort of only pick up shifts now at Union just because the DJing's really taken off, and I'm super grateful for that. I'm playing every weekend, Friday and Saturday, um, at a new bar or anywhere between Fells Point and Federal Hill. Um, that's definitely getting the job done. Um, I actually just accepted a position at Guitar Center as a DJ instructor. Nice. Yeah, and I start next week, so I'm really excited about that. DJing's really been something that I've wanted to do, and I've done it on and off. I've done it mostly for fun to start in Juniata in, in Pennsylvania 
went out to Colorado, kept on doing house parties, and then I moved to moved back to Baltimore, and I started to get plugged in at different bars just from working at One-Eyed Mike's. I met the other, I met other bartenders. I found out where DJs played. I got to meet those DJs, and next thing I know, people were asking me to DJ, and that's where I really started to build this foundation as, okay, I'm not just doing house parties anymore. I'm DJing at bars. I'm playing at restaurants. Now I'm DJing at clubs and venues and festivals. Just been building it up one day at a time. What is bartending culture like? I think people have an idea of it from what's on TV and in movies. Is that accurate or is that really far off? Uh, I don't watch much TV, so I honestly can't tell you what... (laughs) what those people are putting out there but you know from my experience bartending it's a lot of fun we have a lot of fun as bartenders i feel like if you can't have fun as a bartender you're probably not a great bartender you know what i mean working at one-eyed mics was a a great spot i ended up uh, learning very early on that i was at a pretty prestigious spot in fells point for those of you who don't know about one-eyed mics they are the single largest seller of grand marnier in the world um, they have a Grand Marnier club. Yeah, this hole-in-the-wall bar in, in, in Fells Point. They have a Grand Marnier club there where you can buy a bottle and keep your bottle there. And whenever you stop in, you can pull your bottle. You have a bottle number and a password to that bottle. And because you already paid for it, you just ask them to pour out shots from your bottle or they'll make you one of their signature cocktails from it. That's really cool. Yeah, so they have over uh, 3,000 members in their club from all 50 states and I think over 40 countries. Wow, that is amazing. Absolutely, but uh, we had fun there. I learned from some really excellent bartenders and I also learned how to drink uh, working with these awesome guys. It was a lot of fun, man. In the beginning of our interview, you spoke a little bit about working in and around the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I moved to Colorado, I had a couple roommates who worked some really neat jobs, Uh, one of which was my buddy Danny, who was my last roommate out there. And he was a butt tender at, um, God, I can't remember the name of the... uh, dispensary right now but he was a butt tender at this dispensary in boulder uh pardon me not boulder in lafayette colorado and uh he got me into butt tending and what i mean by butt tending was i trimmed bud uh took care of stems and i and i packaged it and i was doing this mostly under the table because i was only 18 at the time uh, moving back to Baltimore, uh, you know, I've, I'd been working at One Eye Mike's for a while. Uh, I also worked at Lobo, which is a really nice restaurant on Wolf and Alisana, um, in Fells Point as well. Um, uh, One Eye, uh, or Mike Marziti, the uh, owner of One Eyed Mike's, rest in peace, uh, he helped found Lobo, and I ended up working there too. Uh, After working at those two spots, I made my way over to Union, where I've been working on and off for the last uh, two-plus years. And it's funny, the first event that I worked for Union outside of the tap room was at the uh, Baltimore Zoo down here. And it was a merchandise networking event at uh, the White House that's up there. Mm -hmm. And so pretty much all I had to do was set up this table and serve different union beers to people for free and that was it and I got to meet a lot of really cool people who worked at other breweries and and wine companies and I got to meet people who worked for a lot of neat businesses and uh, there was a couple of guys uh, talking with me or I was talking with them about the different union beers that I had to offer and they were enjoying them and they kept on coming back because they really liked the beer and they liked um, what I was telling them 
And one of the guys that I got to meet, Kevin, asked me if I ever thought about working about working around cannabis. And you know, little did he know, you know, he's talking to just the right guy. I told him about my story, living in Colorado and butt tending under the table. Um, he told me about a cannabis company, uh, Temesco Wellness was the name, now it's The Living Room uh, is the name of the dispensary, and Evermore Cannabis Company is the name of their grow. But he told me about the company that he was working with and that he was going to be opening a dispensary right down the road from my parents' house. And so he brought me on. I ended up being the second employee hired after my, after my actual manager at the dispensary. And... Uh, I got to help open that dispensary. Uh, when was it? God, time flies, man. We opened the dispensary, I want to say last December, but it was, I think, two Decembers ago now. It's, time flies, man. I worked at the dispensary, uh, and it was a real cool experience. I got to teach people about cannabis, about the different options that they had available to them. Um, and I also got to process, I got to button, I got to package cannabis, I got to work with some really incredible strains, and I got to learn a lot from uh, the people that we had in the company. Do you feel like you being out in Colorado, when you came back, that kind of gave you clout when I gave you points? Jason, major points. I mean, <laughs> as soon as you say, I used to work around cannabis in Colorado, that's like for the most part, a lot of these cannabis companies, they're led by people who moved from Colorado and California okay. and other states that have medical or recreational cannabis. When you started talking to those guys, I'm sure they were probably trying to dazzle you and you're just like, eh, I've, yeah. I've seen this before. They were also really surprised because they were like, wait, how old are you again? <laughs> and at the time, I was, uh, I was 23 years old uh, when I first started at uh, Temesco Wellness. Oh, okay, yeah. I see. What do you think the biggest difference is between cannabis culture in Maryland or on the East Coast and then in Colorado? Um, yeah, I think for the most part in Colorado, um, like a lot of people who go to dispensaries have a really good idea of what they're getting. Um, and I only, I mean that in the way that um, dispensaries and cannabis in states like Colorado have been around, they've had cannabis a lot longer than you think you know even though it just became recreational a few years ago there were still medical places a lot longer than that cannabis culture was a thing way before it blew up recreationally here in maryland we just got medical i'm telling you working at the dispensary that i worked at 95 percent of the people had to completely educate or change their thinking about cannabis because what they knew wasn't correct or they didn't have any background around cannabis so let's get back to your music because that's what you're focusing on now that's what's paying your bills now mm -hmm. and at the end of the day that's your passion uh, when DJing what do you what music do you spin how does it work so I'm a pretty flexible DJ I like to play a lot of music um, there are different scenarios. There are some gigs that I play where people bring me on and they ask me to play certain types of music and I roll with it and I have fun with it. And there are a lot of gigs where people book me for the artist that I am and they say, go ham, play whatever you want. Uh, I really love to play all types of music. You know, if you ever catch me in Phil's Point or Federal Hill, I'm playing Top 40, I'm playing hip hop. I'm throwing in some reggaeton, some Baltimore club music, all different types of music. 
Um, but I'm real passionate about electronic music at the end of the day. That's what I really want to uh, start pushing for myself. I think that's where I can take this music somewhere else. And so I've been working on that for the last five years um, since I moved back from Colorado, just trying to figure out the type of artist that I want to be, the type of music that I want to put out, and the type of message I want people to get from me and my brand. Awesome. That's fantastic. And uh, do you have any personal projects that you're working on, like an EP, or do, art, do EDM artists do um, mixtapes? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, it's funny that you say that. So let me tell you, uh, Flume uh, is actually my favorite producer and DJ. When I was living in Colorado, the first time I heard his music... I, like, I had just been DJing house parties at that time, but the first time I heard Flim's music, I knew immediately, first off, my reaction was, what are we listening to? Like, <laughs> what are these sounds? This is a remix? Who remixed this? Like, I don't even want to hear the original track. This is all I need right here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it totally opened my perspective of sounds and what music is, and it made me want to become a producer, not just a DJ. Uh, you asked if if, uh, if EDM artists make mixtapes, and I said yes. Most don't. Like, that's not really a thing. But my favorite artist dropped a mixtape this, this summer. Um, he won a Grammy for Best Electronic Album last year. So oh, really? He's, like, he's gotten huge now. I've heard of him before, but yeah. I didn't know he, w oh, he won a Grammy. That's great. Blown up, man. It's cool. I've been following him for a long time. Um, but he dropped this mixtape this summer. And it's really cool. It's really cool, man. The best part about the mixtape is... What's the name of the mixtape? It's called Hi, This Is Flu Mixtape. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yep, yep, yep. But the best part about the mixtape is that if you're a day one fan... Day, I would say I'm generally a day one fan. Like I've been following since he bef way before he blew up, before any of his big projects or collaborations. But if you've been following him for a long time and you listen to this project, you're like, wow, he's getting back to his roots. That the album that won the Grammy, that was definitely his like big shot at putting himself out into the bigger market, and that's why he got such great um, feedback. And with this uh, mixtape visualizer, he put out a whole movie to it that he's featured in. Uh, it's incredible, man. Um, me, myself, personally, I, uh, I had a, a crazy experience this summer, actually, um, where my... Uh, I lost all my music. I, uh, I had a real old MacBook Pro, and I had uh, 28 songs that I had been working on over the course of the last six or seven years. Um, a lot of them were drafts, but about 10 of them were very close to being finished, and I was holding out till I moved to LA, whenever that is, because I thought that would be the best time to put out these projects. And I lost all this music. It's on a hard drive sitting in my house right now, so I'm saving it for a real good payday when I can send it across the country so that someone can recover it for me. Uh, but right now, I'm just uh, getting back onto Ableton. I'm trying to figure out how to get back to where I was before. But I had this really good idea for the sound that I'm going for, and it's just a matter of taking it one day at a time. Minor setback for major comeback, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that's how I'm just looking at it. Oh, that's fantastic, man. What's coming up next for you, like music, life? What are you looking forward to? Oh, man. So uh, this weekend coming up is going to be a real cool one. I mean, uh, first off, I'm playing back at uh, Fells Point Tavern, which is a spot that I've been playing at for over three years now. 
really fun spot. I play a lot of top 40 and reggaeton there, but uh, this Friday night's going to be crazy. And then Saturday night actually is going to be probably one of the biggest shows I've ever played. I'm playing at the Maryland Science Center for the for the Believe in Music Halloween party, and apparently it's one of the biggest Halloween parties in the entire state. Wow. Yeah, so they've got six stages on three floors, and they've got 25 DJs or something like that and a bunch of bands, and the party's been sold out for over a month now, so I'm really stoked to play some really fire music for people. I think it's going to be crazy. Hell yeah, man. That's fantastic. So wrapping up here, where can people go to listen to some of your music, or is it all live? Yeah, absolutely. I would say as of right now, for the most part, it's all live, but I put mixes out every now and again. Um, I've DJed on the radio on WEAA, Morgan State Radio. Oh, did you do it for Audio Infusion? That's right. Yo, I fucking love that show. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, man. So uh, Patrick, uh, who's one of the hosts there, reached out to me, and I've I've been on the radio there before. Um, But you can catch me on uh, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, it's going to be facebook.com uh, side slash D-A-G-M-M-D, pretty much my first name in the state of Maryland. Uh, and then Instagram, same thing. It's going to be Dagum, my first name, D-A-G-M-M-D. I post all of my gigs up there. I'm also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com side slash D-A-G-U-M-M-D. I post my mixes and all the fun music that I'm spinning on there, too. Awesome. So how are, you, how are your parents feeling about you now? Oh, man. Life's been crazy, man. My mom's very supportive. Uh, she really likes where I'm at. She sees where I'm going with this music, and she's, she's proud of me. Uh, me and my dad actually don't talk right now. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, we're working things out. At the end of the day, you still love your parents because you can't, you can't choose them, and you, you can't get another set. But I think in the end, uh, we're both going to come around, and, and we're going to look back, and we're going to laugh at times like this. But as of right now, uh, he's working on himself, and I'm working on myself. That's all you can really do sometimes. You know it. We're, well, Dagum, uh, anything else you want to talk about that we haven't already gone over? Um, I'd say do what feels right. You know, life's been crazy for me. I've had a lot of ups and downs, but I've always followed my heart, and I've always prayed about things. So at the end of the day, follow, follow what you're passionate about. Do what feels right and put yourself around people who you want to bring out the best in you, period. My mom used to always tell me this saying that her grandfather, or pardon me, that her father used to tell her. I never met my grandfather, he passed away while I was real young, but she, she used to tell me, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. And that's to this day my favorite quote of all time because I feel like the people around you are a big reflection of the type of person that you are. And if you look at the circle that I have around me, they are the most inspiring, positive, hardworking people who love to fucking party. So we're putting in work, we're having fun, and I'm just taking it one day at a time, enjoying my life here in Baltimore, man. Awesome, that's fantastic. Well, Dagum, DJ Dagum, Dagum MD, Thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, it's been amazing as an outside party to see you grow into the person that you've become. Again, thank you so much for sitting down with me. My man, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely.